Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show on AM 1000 in Orange and San Diego counties and on AM 930 in Los Angeles County. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you through the good offices of Relevant Radio from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Jeff Cavins. And Jeff, I want to thank you for being with us on our program. Oh, it's good to be with you, Rick. And before we begin, because I'm sure that a number of people in our audience already know who you are, since you, you've been out in the public doing a lot of things for a number of years for Catholic uh, evangelism and Bible study. Let's begin, though, with a word of prayer. Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we give you this this time together. We thank you for the miracle of technology, and we ask you to use this for your glory. May, may you be lifted up, and your kingdom expand as a result of everything that we say and do today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And Jeff, I want to thank you again for coming in. Jeff has been in Catholic ministry for many, many years. My understanding is you were born Catholic, but took a detour briefly, because I want to get into your life story a little bit later. What's your basic background? You and I both have taken some major <laughs> detours. And we of course, have. When you come to a de- you come to a detour in the road. You don't particularly like it. You know, it's like what? You mean what do you mean? I can't keep going straight. I've got to take another way. You're right. I, I was I was born Catholic and raised Catholic in what I would call an average American Catholic home in Minnesota, which means we went to church every week. We went to all the feast days, and I went to confession once every two months or so. But um, by the time that I was a senior in high school, I literally didn't know really anything about my faith as far as the Catholic faith, yet I was very hungry for spiritual things. So I found myself reading the Bhagavad Gita, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, and you know, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance, and everything that was going on <laughs> during that time. Yeah. And it actually led me, in my first year of college, into a relationship with a young lady in a class, a cultural anthropology class, uh, I was attracted to her, and uh, we ended up talking after class, and she was a, a young Baptist, Methodist, charismatic young lady, and and she's the one that ended up leading me into this deeper relationship with the Lord. And so initially, I didn't, I didn't leave the Catholic Church. Uh, I just was excited about this relationship with the Lord this young lady was experiencing, and then her mother would invite me in and and talk to me about the Lord on a daily basis. So uh, after that, I I started kind of veering from the church. So you ended up, despite all of the influences you had from, say, uh, pop Eastern meditative type of uh, religious experience, you ended up becoming a different form of Christian. Yeah, I did. But, you know, Rick, I didn't know it at the time. At, At the time, I was 18 years old. And I was a nominal Catholic, really knew nothing. I mean, to show you what I knew, uh, the tabernacle, I thought, literally was just a storage place for the priest's materials for Mass. I, I didn't even know about the real presence or, or wow. anything about the liturgy. And so 
when I was in my first year of college and I went out with this young lady, she told me all about this personal relationship she had with the Lord. And, and I think that that was ultimately what I was seeking. You know, I wasn't seeking theology or dogma or wasn't seeking, you know, counsels or anything like that. I, I just, I just wanted a relationship with the Lord. Who's my God and, and how do I know him? And it was so attractive. So you were, you became Protestant. I understand you got involved in evangelical ministry. What brought you back? Yeah. And then I, I don't, again, I want to make sure we have a chance later on to go into this more deeply, but sure. you came back well, and then got involved in what you're doing today. What did that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I ended up coming back. You know, I was gone for uh, about 15 years, uh, 12 of which I was a senior pastor wow. of a church. And uh, I became a senior pastor at, at 25 years of age. And I was different than some of the independent charismatic churches that I you know, was affiliated with. And we're talking about the kind of the Joel Osteen churches. In fact, I worked with uh, Father John for a little bit. But um, the thing that was different about me was sort of like you. I know you a little bit about your background, and that was that I studied. And I got deep into the early church. And even earlier than the early church, I studied Judaism of the first century. I studied with some of the top scholars in Jerusalem at Hebrew University. And the, the more I studied the early church, the more I started to realize that the independent charismatic church that I was pastoring actually looked nothing like the early church. It was very different. And that brought about what I would call a crisis of faith, and I had to uh, investigate a little bit deeper as to, you know, this ancient church, is there anybody that lives like this ancient church? And I found out it was it was the Catholic Church, and that brought another crisis on. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing thing to find out, is that as a Protestant, you're, you're, you're told that uh, you are the, the true worshiping system that really goes back to the first century. You're the ones that have the true faith. But as you look at all of the, the trappings, all of the ritual, all of the faith system, all of the belief system, it all resembles the Catholic Church, not yeah. anything evangelical. No, nothing. In fact, it was, there was nothing at all. Uh, I had uh, I, I liken it to a, a jigsaw puzzle. When you put together a jigsaw puzzle, what's the first thing you do? You put together the edges. So you got four edges you put together. And for me, in my studies, that was the papacy. It was the Blessed Mother. It was the concept of Scripture, the Word of God being Scripture and tradition. But probably more than anything, it was the Eucharist. And when I started to see those four edges, I, I knew I was in trouble because there was only one church in the world that matched up those, with those four edges, and that was the Catholic Church. Yet at the same time, that's the church I left. That was the church I labeled as dead. And uh, those were the people that I felt did not have a relationship with the Lord. So that brought about a bit of a crisis in my own life that uh, eventually ended me, you know, back in the church. I, I want to follow up on that when we get to our, our next section. But for the moment, I want to shift a little bit forward. You got involved then in retraining. I know you went to, to Steubenville for a while. Mm-hmm. You got your master's in theology from... The Franciscan University, is that correct? I did, yeah. At the uh, the request of my bishop, yeah, Bishop Paul Dudley from Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He's 
he's the one who said that uh, if I come back to the church, he wants me to get a Catholic degree this time. So <laughs> I did. <laughs> Good. And I ended up I ended up teaching there with uh, Scott Hahn. So I teach, I taught Introduction to Scripture at Franciscan University, and then I taught uh, Scott's classes when he was gone. Now, I understand that while you were there, you developed a timeline system. It Was it for the first time that you really started working with a timeline system for teaching Scripture? Or how did that come about? And the reason I bring that up is because that has become, over the decades for you, central to how you approach Scripture. Am I correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, no, it wasn't a Franciscan University. What happened was I went to Franciscan University. Uh, that was about 1995. It was 1985. It was 10 years earlier that I developed the the Bible timeline. I was a young Protestant pastor, 25, 26 years old, and uh, I simply wanted to know the story of salvation history. And I'll tell you how it how it happened. I was sitting at the University of Minnesota in a parking lot that's called Dinky Town. You know, it's a funny name. <laughs> it's a small little neighborhood at the University of Minnesota where Bob Dylan got his start up above a drugstore. I love it. Dinky Town. <laughs> and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening to two cassettes. For our listeners, Google it. Cassettes used to be the way that people listened <laughs> to them. <But laughs> the relationship was... <laughs> between a cassette and a, and a pencil, our, our, our new generation will never understand that. But anyway, go ahead. No, we have no time to go into that. I'll Google it. Google cassettes. Yeah. And I was, listen, I was listening to a scholar, a Protestant scholar called William Sanford Lesore, and he was going through the history of archaeology, which it was as dry as a bone. And I, I listened to him, but there was one thing about him that caught my attention, and that was he could tell the history from all the way from the Calcolithic period all the way to the modern era of you know archaeology. And I thought to myself, that's what I want to do with Scripture. I would I want to see the whole story of Scripture, and that combined with one of my favorite artists of the time, Phil Keggy, a guitar player. I love the way he played the guitar, and he knew that fretboard, and I, I literally cried out to the Lord and said, I want to know the Bible the way Keggy knows that fretboard. And suddenly I got this idea for a chart and that would visually show me the whole story, and I didn't go to Hebrew class. I was going to Hebrew at that time, and I didn't go to class that day. I went to an art store, and I got some supplies. I went to a meat market and got a big piece of white paper, <laughs> and I went home. And I'm not kidding you, Rick. Yeah. I stayed up for 48 hours with my theology books, and I created that chart in yeah. 48 hours. And it was only for me so that I could understand the story visually. And I had no idea that that 48 hours would define the rest of my life. Wow. Now, this Bible timeline system that you've developed, you're going to be bringing to Christ Cathedral here in the Diocese of Orange on September 28th. So coming up in, in a short period of time, what is it right. that it's developed into? What are they going to encounter when they come see sure. you on, on September 28th? What our friends are going to experience is a one-day seminar where I'm going to show them not only how to read the Bible and the problems with approaching the Bible, but a solution to it, but I'm going to take them through the entire story from Genesis to Revelation and we're going to go through every major character and every major event in salvation history. So at the end wow. of the day, not only will you be familiar with the story as a narrative as a whole, 
but you will be equipped to read the Bible for the rest of your life, which means understanding it in Mass, uh, devotions with Lexio Divina. It's really a powerful, powerful experience, and uh, you know, it's what I experienced. It changed my life, and I get all the time people saying, you know, the Bible timelines changed my life, and I look at them and say, you <laughs> changed my life too, in a big way. So, and that's the nature of, of the story. So on on that day on the twenty eighth, and it's just a, a one day that you're doing it out here. I know you're going to be traveling and then doing it again in Washington D.C. a couple of weeks later. So this is a one time only event for us. Right. People are going to be exposed to the entire Bible, but in a in a systematic, visual timeline way, so they can understand how everything fits together. Exactly, but, and you don't even have had to. Uh... I've read the Bible before. You know, I get that question, do I need to know the Bible before I go? And my my answer is, you don't even have to own a Bible. You can come and you'll still get it. But it's a beginning point. You know, understanding the big picture of salvation history is the beginning, a starting point. And oftentimes people say, well, what should I do to read the Bible? Should I start with John or Mark or whatever? And my answer is, start with the whole thing. Yeah. You know, get just learn the whole the whole story, then start going deeper and deeper, and it'll mean much more to you. When we come back, Jeff, I want to take a moment to go a little bit deeper into this, but I also want to hear just how this really has affected your life. Uh, the introduction sure. we did was good, but there's a lot more to your story. You're listening to Jeff Cavins, who's talking to us about uh, his story and how he began to teach Catholic faith in the Bible having been a Protestant pastor. And when we come back, we're going to continue talking about that and also how you can join him on September 28th out here at Christ Cathedral for his presentation on the Bible Timeline. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will be right back. Are you planning your summer staycation? Stay cool and enjoy Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel exhibition in the Cathedral Cultural Center on Christ Cathedral Campus. We're conveniently located near exits off the 5, 57, and 22 in Garden Grove, close to Disneyland but with plenty of free parking. Enjoy viewing each of Michelangelo's 34 frescoes in life-size, up-close, never-before-seen perspective. Explore this stunning artwork at your own pace and admire it from close-up that's physically impossible to achieve in the actual Sistine Chapel. Get your tickets now at SistineExhibit.com. Special pricing available for children, college students, military, seniors, and groups of 10 or more. That's SistineExhibit.com. from Trending with Tim Ray. My guest this week on Trending is Michael Knowles from Daily Wire. We'll be talking about this preferred pronoun insanity that even people are expected to tell you what their preferred pronoun is in their email signature. We'll also be talking about Michael Knowles' conversion back into Catholicism. Make sure to join me for that and more on Trending with Tim Ray this Sunday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific here on Relevant Radio. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope in beautiful Garden Grove, California. And with me today is Jeff Cavins. And Jeff comes to us from, is it Minnesota? 
Yeah, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So of the 1987-91 World Champion Minnesota Twins. And you're going to remember that for the rest of eternity. <laughs> very good, <laughs> very good. It's probably not going to happen again. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't jinx it. It, it. it very well may. And I want to thank you so much for coming on. Jeff has been gracing the Catholic Church with a presentation that he's been making in, in different ways for many years on the Bible and how the entire Bible can be better understood on a paradigm of of a timeline, how a timeline can help organize how you think about the Bible and his presentation that he's going to make here at Christ Cathedral in late September is a, a way to frame your thinking about all of the Bible so that when you approach the Bible and read the Bible, it has context, it has meaning, it has connection, it, it just all flows. Is is that a fair way of putting it, Jeff? Yeah, I think that the, the, the major objective is to is to know the overarching story. For example, I'll give, I'll give you an example. If I said, Rick, I want to invite you to an amazing seminar. And you said, Jeff, I'm so excited. What's it about? And I said, well, we're going to have several workshops. We're going to have a workshop on ruby slippers. That's going to be an amazing workshop on ruby slippers. We also have a workshop on on flying monkeys, and we've got a workshop on how to kill a witch with water. And I'm not going to go into detail, but it's going to be really an amazing seminar. And you think, well, yeah, I'd love to go to that. And then we find out that only a few people signed up for it. And the reason is that most of them have never seen The Wizard of Oz. And and that's what happens so often, you know, when it comes to biblical studies is is that if, if, if people only know about a few details, they're not as interested. But if they know the basic overarching story, it becomes very compelling at that point. And what we're doing in the seminar at uh, in, in, in Orange County is we're, we're going to show The Wizard of Oz, basically. We're going to show the basic story that will give context for everything that's Catholic and and also your own personal life as far as devotions. Now, you mentioned this changed your life when you first began to engage this method. I want to go back to that for a moment. You were, mm-hmm. you had been involved in, in Protestant ministry as an evangelical, a senior pastor at a good-sized church, and you... Wanted to have the full context, the historical context of all of the biblical material in front of you. And right. that served to reframe how you think. What did that do to you? What did that do for you? Well, when I, you know, prior to really discovering the Bible timeline chart, which came at literally in an instant sitting there at Dinkytown at the University of Minnesota. I was a bit insecure as a young pastor because every week I had to give a, a hom- you know, I'll say a homily, but that's how Catholic I am now, a sermon. <laughs> <laughs> I had to give a, I had to give about a one hour sermon, forty five minutes to an hour every week, and I had to teach on Wednesday for about an hour. Catholics don't realize and, this, by the way, that you know, they'll complain about the priests that can't preach, of which we've got a few that really can and do a very good job. <laughs> But if their pastor, their priest doesn't preach really well, you're only dealing with it for 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, As a Protestant pastor, that was your bread and butter. You were 45 minutes to an hour if it was going to be any good at all. Oh, (laughs) people got upset with me if I only went a half an hour. It's like, does he have a problem? Is there something going on in his life this week? You know, they wanted you to (laughs) preach and they wanted you to give uh, a lot, you know, every single week. 
uh, and I could do that. And you, you probably can identify with the situation I was in. I could talk to you about David. I could talk to you about uh, Abraham. I could talk about I, you know, Isaac. I could talk about Isaiah. I could talk about Peter. I could talk about Paul. I could, I could talk, you know, all these different individual stories. But I couldn't put the whole thing together. And what I started to find out was that even guys that went through seminary and got an MDiv, a Master's of Divinity, they couldn't do it. And so I started to realize that we've got the most complicated book in the world and the best-selling book of the world, yet most people cannot tell the narrative of the whole thing. And that was, that was the challenge to me. That was what I wanted to try to conquer, I guess. But I, I never thought that it would, it would be for Catholics, for sure. I mean, it was just for me and my own private study. And I had no idea that once I laid out that entire story, that at one day, two million Catholics would go through it. I mean, that to me was, that would have been impossible. Okay. So you ended up having a faith crisis, and your faith crisis resulted in you looking again at Scripture. Did this timeline play any role in that? Oh, big time. Yeah, once I once I started to see the whole story, I saw the whole story, that the next chapter in my, I guess you'd say, in my quest was looking at the early church and seeing if they saw that story. And uh, I noticed that St. Augustine did, and he talks about mountaintop experiences in salvation history, and he he kind of lays out some of the some of the points that we bring out in the Bible timeline, although I didn't know that when I was 25 years old. I found that out later. So once I started to put the whole story together and realize that there was a complete story there, I guess uh, you could say it kind of led to, is there really a story for the Church, a complete story? And, and that led me, of course, to the, to the Catholic Church. And I've never, I've never known any other group of Christians outside of Catholicism that could put that story together as well, as far as Mary, the papacy, uh, Scripture, be, or the Word of God being Scripture and tradition, the Eucharist, the sacraments, all of it. Well, and people, I don't think, realize uh, when they're opening up the Bible, that you're really opening up Jewish scriptures and its fulfillment. Yep. And that yep. means that what we should be looking at in our church is f- a fulfilled biblical Judaism. And I don't mean a Judaism that we see today. The Judaism we have today right. is a product of the first and second centuries after the fall of Jerusalem. Yep. Um, yep. The, the Judaism that we're talking about goes back... 500 to 1,000 years for most of the biblical material that we're looking at before Christ. And yes, go ahead. No, you're exactly right. That's a good point, is that what the Catholic Church fulfills, what the message of Christ fulfills, is not the Judaism of today, but it is the Judaism of the, of the, the first century. And to be honest with you, Rick, that was the thing that really drove me back to the Catholic Church, is that I studied and studied first century Judaism, and even David Flusser, Dr. David Flusser from Hebrew University, the premier scholar on Jesus in the Second Temple period, he concludes that if Jesus were to come back today, he would feel most comfortable in the Catholic Church. And that's a shocking statement from the top scholar at Hebrew University. Wow. 
So you're saying at this point that what you saw when you were a Protestant, having tasted Catholic faith as a young man, I, I guess you can almost say inoculated to the Catholic faith as a young man. You, you got a weakened version of the real deal, which kind of <laughs> turned you away. But yeah. that as a Protestant, you were being told and, and being shown how, when properly understood, the Jewish scriptures and the Christian scriptures which people, they don't remember sometimes that those Christian scriptures, they're, they're written over a short period of time compared to the rest of it, and it's all about one topic, Jesus Christ. And, right. and that they're a fulfillment of all of it, that the most, the closest you can come to that is in Catholic faith. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. In, in fact, you know, I can remember, Rick, uh, it was probably... I don't know, uh, six months after I had come back to the church, I was, I was interviewed you know, on a radio program. And I was, uh, they were asking me all kinds of questions, apologetic questions in Scripture. And I just answered them one at a, one at a time. And the host said, how did you get to know the Catholic faith so well in six, seven months? And I said, I didn't. I said, I know Scripture. And once you plug it into the Catholic faith, everything makes sense very, very quickly. It's not, wow. it's not, uh, it's not your own genius or anything like that. It's like a jigsaw puzzle or, you know, something like that. It's like, it just makes sense. Or I, I don't have to interpret it myself. The church has, has, uh, given us this and it, it's very obvious. Well, yeah, as you start going back, and I'd like to get into some detail in the next section that we're going to come to, uh, about how you've put together this timeline, but, as you go sure. back and you look at things like Exodus 12 and the Passover and how mm-hmm. it, only in Catholicism do we really have that perpetual sacrifice, that perpetual memorial um, continuing. The, right. You only have that in the Eucharist, and we have it uh, you know, three times in Exodus 12. It says this will be a perpetual forever uh, memorial. Well, where else do right. we experience that perpetually forever? Uh, there's only one location. Yep. St. Mary's Catholic Church. <laughs> <laughs> I take it that's somewhere in Minnesota. <laughs> we've never, we've never heard of a by Mary's way, Catholic for, Church out here. By the way, good, good, I'll give, I'll give you a good trivia question, Rick. First cathedral or first uh, basilica in the United States, where is it? The first basilica. I, I would, I would assume Baltimore, but. Yeah, I know. So did I. Mm-hmm. Not it's Minneapolis, Minnesota. Wow. Now, St. How, Mary's Basilica in Minneapolis is the first basilica in the United States. Now, do you want to explain what a basilica is and why it's different from a cathedral? <laughs> well, that could be a whole other show. But <laughs> quite a few answers to that. <laughs> uh, just, it, it means that if a pope is going to visit, that's a, an acceptable place for him to preach from. So it's been dedicated yes. to to the church in a way that the the papacy has said, uh, yep, we, we can preach there forever in town. So yeah. we have a few of those now in the United States, but uh, yeah, that's that's interesting to know. Minneapolis is where the first one was. That's that's fascinating. First one, yeah. Now, Jeff, when and we only have a, about another minute left in this segment. When you finally came back, um, how tough was that? Was this a an, an instant uh, transition for you? I, I I know that there had to be the emotions of transferring everything over, but yeah, or was this a hard? Sad thing uh, was it, it? How did this work for you emotionally? Uh, yeah, I, I would say, Rick, it, it was very difficult for for me on a number of levels. One, professionally, 
Um, I was a pastor of a really vibrant church in Dayton, Ohio at the time. Good people, love them, just good brothers and sisters in Christ. And for me to make this announcement was incredibly difficult. I gave a one-hour apologetic talk defending the faith, why I'm becoming Catholic, and I, I think I wept through most of it just trying to tell them that I had to do this. The second level was uh, just my own security, you know. Um, I had a good job, I had benefits and everything, and I'm going to leave it, and I literally don't even know what I'm going to do now. I really don't. I'm, I thought I'm going to run a 7-Eleven or something, or I'll do something. I don't know what it is going to be. But the, the other level was my own personal life with my wife. You know, she was raised uh, Protestant, and she's the one that really led me to Christ in, in college. And now suddenly I'm looking at the Catholic Church, and in her own words, that's like a, a Swedish person becoming African overnight. Wow. And she didn't know what to do with that, and her mother, who is a, a Methodist pastor, didn't know what to do with it. So it was very, very difficult, and I remember... After making that that transition, I was sitting at uh, Franciscan University at the you know request of my bishop to go to school there, and I was sitting in the middle of the campus by a rock all by myself, and I I put my my hands over my you know eyes, and I I leaned over and I thought, what have I done? What have <laughs> I done? <laughs> I'm going to tell you a it similar story when we come back, but okay. it sounds like it sounds like you had a a very deep experience in coming back home. We're talking with Jeff yeah. Cavins, who is sharing with us not only his life, but also how his um, biblical ministry has not only affected him, but can affect us. And when we come back, I want to not only go back into his story, but also how we can all uh, benefit from it here at the Diocese of Orange. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio, and we will be right back. Calling Southern California educators. Are you looking for field trip ideas for the 2019-2020 academic year? From now through January 11, 2020, Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel Traveling Exhibit will be in Southern California in the Cultural Center on Christ Cathedral Campus in Orange County. Enjoy viewing each of Michelangelo's frescoes in life-size, up-close, never-before-seen perspective. Explore this stunning artwork at your own pace. Get your tickets now. Go to SistineExhibit.com. Special pricing available for groups. Book now before it's too late. Again, that's SistineExhibit.com. And awaken your curiosity to the innovative and unique interpretation of Michelangelo's timeless masterpiece. Wherever people enter the 35-acre Christ Cathedral campus, they are greeted by the splendor of our Catholic faith and nowhere more than by celebrating Sunday Mass in our newly dedicated Christ Cathedral or by touring Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel exhibition. Christ Cathedral Shop, located off the lobby in the Cathedral Cultural Center, offers inspirations of faith, from Catholic cards to crucifixes, mugs to mouse pads, and sacred art to statues of the saints. Visitors can choose from commemorative items and gifts from a wide array of Catholic Bibles, books, and all things Catholic. Make Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove your destination and visit our Christ Cathedral Shop, the shop with something for everyone. Experience Christ Cathedral today. Then share your memories and so much more. 
And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you from the campus of Christ Cathedral in beautiful Garden Grove, California, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today is Jeff Kamins, who is a revert to the Catholic Church, who has spent not only time as a Protestant pastor, but also as a biblical scholar and has developed a program that focuses on an organizing timeline for the entire Bible. That program has served as a centering for him in his life and in his ministry with the Bible since well before he became Catholic and affected his life dramatically. We were talking about conversion experiences. I remember when I converted over and realizing as I'm sitting on top, I was in Berkeley. I was at uh, the Graduate Theological Union, and I was um, on the roof of my apartment in on LeConte in, in Berkeley, watching the sunset over the Golden Gate Bridge and thinking to myself as I'm hearing this flushing sound of my career and the watching the, 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 the sunset over the Golden Gate Bridge, there goes my entire career as a pastor. What am I going to do now, God? But I always ended it with that phrase because it was still a prayer. What am I going to do now, God? Because <laughs> it's up to him. And it sounds like when you were talking about being there on campus, your head in your hands, what did we do? It wasn't despair, was it? It wasn't despair, but it was, um, I think it was a total abandonment to God, you know, saying, I, I, I did what I thought you wanted me to do. I'm, I'm sitting here now in graduate school at Franciscan University. Uh, I'm very alone. I went from being the center of a faith community every moment of every day of every week of every month of every year. And I am alone now with you. And it was about five minutes after that, Kimberly Hahn walked up to me and I was literally sitting in the middle of the campus on a bench. And she said, uh, Oh, there you are. And I said, yeah. She said, Scott wanted me to get a hold of you, Scott Hahn, her husband. And the university wants you to teach. And I went, What? (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah, I want you to teach uh, Introduction to Scripture with your Bible timeline. And I said, are you serious? And she said, yeah. So I went to the administration and said, yeah, we want you to teach next semester Introduction to Scripture. And uh, th- and that was, that was really a, a moment of affirmation as to what I had done in the past. And it was during that same time that Father Michael Scanlon, who was the president at the time yeah. at Franciscan University, called me into his office. And he called me in and he said, he said, Jeff, I want, we want to offer you something. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, Bishop Paul Dudley from Sioux Falls called and we want to establish a Cardinal Newman scholarship for returning Catholics. And we want to give that scholarship to you. And I said, well, wow. I mean, what, what does that mean? He says, your graduate studies are paid for. Wow. <laughs> I went, what? What? And that, Rick, at that point was like the Lord saying, I'm with you. You're not alone. You're in a body that loves you and cares for you. See, so I told not you. Only did I, <laughs> not only did I get to uh, have my graduate studies paid for, but I got to teach, and the Lord quickly turned everything from complete loneliness to I'm a part of this amazing family. Wow. Wow. That's an incredible story. And one that's very hopeful. It's tied into so intricately with your ministry working with this timeline. So 
Where did you go from there? You were part of the campus at Steubenville, and anybody who's mm-hmm. been to Steubenville, it's a s- small town, river town, right at the border of Ohio and what West Virginia and Pennsylvania. It's right. It's actually, I think, right. the closest airport is there in Pittsburgh, isn't it? Yeah, it is. That's right. Yeah, and uh, it's it's very hot in the summer and very cold in the winter. Um, and very stinky all year. It, that's my understanding. However, <laughs> it's got a great university, and it's got some it people does. there that have changed lives. Um, yep. Some some lives I don't even know about, but they've changed lives. So you were there for how long? How you got your master's degree? I was there for a couple of years. A couple of years. I I got a graduate degree that I taught at the same time. And then about the uh, end of the second year, I got a call from Mother Angelica that she wanted me to come on her show to talk about my my testimony. And what was interesting about that was that in the two years prior to my reversion to the church, I was watching her and Father Pacwa and EWTN and learning from them. You know, I would... I would learn from them, and it was it was interesting. And anyway, I went to I went to uh, Birmingham, and I was on her show and uh, her live show, and we we hit it off like a oh. like a, a mother and son, and really became good friends. Even on this show, she interviewed me about my story, and right in the middle of the interview, she looks over at me and she says, she says, "Honey, you know how she is." <laughs> yes. She said, "Would would, would you do a thirteen week show for us?" And I said, let me pray about it. And I paused for literally one second and said, yes. <laughs> and that ended up becoming our father's plan that Scott Hahn and I did. It's a 13-week show, which has become the longest-running show on EWTN now. And then uh, on that same night, as we were leaving the set and walking off, she took me by the arm off to the side, and, and she said, would you pray about moving here and starting your own show for young adults? She said, I've been praying about this for years, and the Lord told me tonight, you're the one. Wow. And uh, and I said, well, I do need to pray about that. And I spent about two months praying about it with Bishop Dudley. And I called her and said, yes, that's that's me. I'm the one. And that, that uh, began the, 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 the move from Steubenville to EWTN, where for six years I was the host of Life on the Rock. I was Mother Angelica's substitute and, and partner in her show and covered John Paul II around the world. Wow. I only have been to Birmingham a couple of times, uh, once for a conference and once to do the Coming Home uh, show where I was interviewed for my background. And I do know sure. that uh, moving to Birmingham, Alabama, it's a beautiful place, but it makes the weather at uh, Stupidville look bummy. <laughs> it's very hot. Uh, yeah. in, uh, oh, it's hot. In, in you know what's so funny about that is I was a long-distance runner. Oh man, Birmingham. Yeah, and when I got to Birmingham, I was like, I cannot even go over two miles here. It's so hot. Yeah, it's like when you get off the airplane, they hand you a sack of potatoes to hold the entire time you're there. You only get to set it down <laughs> when you get back on the airplane to go home. It's really exactly. stifling. Yeah. So you were now working as an evangelist on the air, putting together uh, programming to reach to young adults. Life on the Rock became a, a major program for them, both while you were doing it and then after you left. So that's huge for EWTN. What else did you do after that? Yeah, well, uh, after six years, I had, you know, I, we were living in Birmingham. I'm from Minneapolis. And I was praying about what, what we're going to do with our future. And we had 
we had three girls at the time, uh, Carly, Jackie, and Tony, my three girls. And it was kind of odd because my wife said to me one day, she said, we need to do some re-landscaping of our home. We lived about an about a minute away, about a mile away from EWTN. And something hit me, and I said to her, I said, you know, I don't want to invest in all of this landscaping. I really think we're supposed to be back home in Minnesota. And she said, why? And I said, I just think we need to raise our, our children back home with grandparents and cousins and everything. And that was really the the mark of a change in our life. And we decided we were going to move back to Minnesota. And that's where the filming of The Great Adventure began. Once we we gave up EWTN, we came back to Minnesota. And the first iteration of the 24-week Great Adventure took place in Minnesota and the second one. So if I had not left EWTN, we would not have The Great Adventure series as we know it. As we know it today, but it was kind now, of an Isaac for me. To be let me stop you. Then. Let me stop you for a moment because you've used the term now, the Great uh, Adventure series, uh, but we haven't used that title yet. That's actually the right. title of your of your program, the program that's yeah. coming out, the Great Adventure Bible in a Day. Yes. So that's what I want to make sure because we haven't actually. Our audience is listening. What program is that? That's the program that's coming to. That's the cathedral on September 28th, yes. There's the 24-week, and there's also the eight-week series, the, the uh, Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible, and then the 24-week Great Adventure. But in California, what we're going to do is the one-day, really quick walk through the entire Bible, which we would call the you know, kind of the quick Great Adventure. So what we're going to get on the 28th, which I want to come back to when we when we come back for our last section... Uh, we're going to get a an introduction to everything. It's going to give us the framework we need, but it doesn't exhaust all the right. resources that are available. There's There's been a lot more that you've done yeah. and a lot more that would be available. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So yeah. you get back to Minnesota. You start putting this thing together. Where has it gone from there? Wow. You know, <laughs> that that's a good question. It has exploded. Uh, I had no idea, Rick, that this was going to happen. I I could not have predicted uh, since we put together the first, that was 15 years ago that we put together the first 24-week series for The Great Adventure, which is a walk through the entire Bible with a workbook and video series. Um, between 15 years ago and now, uh, nearly 2 million Catholics have studied 24 weeks of the Bible and uh, and been acquainted with the story. And, and since then, we also put together a Great Adventure Bible and that has the chart, the Great Adventure chart, which our friends in California are going to receive at the conference that we're going to do. Um, and that Bible, as of six weeks ago, Amazon.com contacted us and said, you're the number one selling Bible in the world wow. right now, and that includes Protestants. Wow. Now, that Bible, I understand, it's it's not a new translation, it's, no. but it's a new way of seeing the structure from one point to the other. That's why the timeline is so important. The translation is the Revised Standard Version, Catholic Edition, second right. try. Uh, right. And we've got great scholars that worked with us, like Dr. Mary Healy from the Pontifical Biblical Commission. We've got Dr. Peter Williamson from Detroit. And we've got Dr. Andrew Swafford from Atchison, Kansas, at Benedictine. So we've got a great team, and, and it's a very simple Bible that has uh, really a, a one focus, and that is we want to show you the whole story as a, as a basic starting point. And so 
yeah, we're really pleased with it. We're really, uh, we're really blessed. And, and now we're, it's in multiple languages. We're going around the world and Philippines and Africa and Europe. So it's, it's very exciting. Jeff, when we come back, I want to ask you to take us through a little bit of it and then also how it's been received. You're listening to sure. Jeff Cavins, who is the, author and the originator of the Great Adventure Bible Timeline, and he's been talking to us about how this has changed his life and how it can change yours. Although that sounds like an infomercial, but it's not, because we've got a program that really can change your life through Scripture. Stay tuned, and when we come back, we'll tell you all about it. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, and we will be right back. You heard Deacon Steve lately? Wow! I, I mean, it can't get any more important than that. Amen. My brothers and sisters, get excited! John 10.10 says, I've come to give you life and life abundantly. So far, so good. And how is this new year working out for you? The Holy Spirit is alive! Catch Empowered by the Spirit with Deacon Steve Greco. Sundays at 12 noon, right here on Relevant Radio. Hey, friends of Deacon Steve Greco and the Empowered by the Spirit radio show. It's not too late to join the team on a once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Italy. September 19th through the 30th. And the theme is Shrines, Saints, and Miracles. Join the Spirit-Filled Hearts Ministry team along with Father Mike Hannafin, Deacon Steve Greco, and his wife Marianne Greco. September 19th through the 30th. Time is short, so contact us right away to reserve your slot. The phone number is 949-981-0918. Again, that's 949-981-0918. Or just shoot us an email at marianne at spiritfilledhearts.org. That's Marianne with an E at spiritfilledhearts.org. Join us for this once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Italy. And welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. With me today has been Jeff Cavins. And before I go any further, Jeff, I want to thank you deeply for being so candid. I mean, when you came on the air today, you were expecting to talk just about the program and this upcoming event in September here at the at Christ Cathedral on September 28th. But you've been gracious enough to share some very deep and personal moments from your life. And I deeply appreciate that. I know our listening audience has. So thank you for coming on and thank you for being so candid. Oh, that's no problem. When you look back at how your life developed, uh, it is usually personal. You don't talk about those things normally, but I think it's good for people to know that not every life is this picture-perfect life, that there are struggles along the way and uh, dark nights, you know, of the soul, and um, the Lord is with you through it all. And indeed, you've demonstrated that in the things that you've been saying today. This program is not just something that you thought up. This is something that's directly changed your life, and therefore it's gone through growth both with you and because of you. And that's what one of the things I think that makes it so touching and so important. People are going to be able to come on September 28th. There is cost involved. It's, I think, $100 for the entire day. But I think the day starts like at mm-hmm. 9 and ends shortly before 4, like 3.30 or something like that. 
and they're going to go through this entire thing, and they're going to end up with the timeline. Your Bible that you've actually got this timeline integrated throughout, and it's it, the entire Bible is got color coding, and it's got uh, the timeline, and it shows. Um, I think you've got seventy different things that you've highlighted that are important points of biblical events and biblical history, but biblical right. events. They can also get a hold of that there, and if they order ahead of time, I think they get like a ten dollar discount, something like that. So that would be for like a hundred and fifty dollars for for all of it, but a hundred dollars if they want to come to to be part of this program. That's on right. September twenty eighth. Do you have a website that they might want to go to to find out more information about what this program is or what the Bible is? Well, yeah, you can go to ascensionpress dot com and you can even Google Jeff Cavins or Great Adventure Orange County and it'll come up immediately. That's perfect on any on any any search. Now, tell us a little bit as far as content goes. Let's say in, at the beginning of the day, what are they going to experience if they come to this thing? Sure. Well, I think, first of all, Rick, you know, it's, uh, as you know, people sometimes are intimidated by the Bible. And I would say right off, you don't need to be intimidated by the Bible. Uh, the Bible is a, a love letter written by your Heavenly Father for you to understand. And in it, in the Bible, uh, you're going to to get to know your Heavenly Father. You're going to know His deeds. You're going to know His heart in salvation history. The problem is it's not written in chronological order, and that means that we need to be taught. How do we read this as a complete story? And that's what we're going to be doing on the 28th, is we're going to show people how to read the book, how to read this library of books, I should say, and uh, and to make it personal. And that's that's the starting point. So I would say, number one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at all. You, anybody can do this. And I'm going to demonstrate that to you, that anybody, even if you've never opened up a Bible before, you're going to get it. And I'm going to make sure of that. And from that point, you're going to receive a system in which you can study the Bible and read the Bible for the rest of your life. But I'm going to take you through all the major events, all the key events and the hinge points in the story and all the major characters so that uh, we give you a starting point to understand God's story, salvation history. And and that's the beauty of it is we can literally do that in one day. And the testimonies that we've received from people from around the world uh, would su- substantiate that, that uh, they never thought they could understand the Bible. And in one day, they did. And uh, But again, that's the starting point. That's quite a promise. Um, wow. And I'm, I'm like you, Rick. I, I, I probably, when I was 20 years old, I knew the Bible better then than I do now. yeah we've had a chance to forget a little bit at our age but okay (laughs) it gets deeper and deeper and deeper but there's got to be a starting point for everybody and i think that starting point is well let's just tell the story let's tell the story and then then you can go deep into john then you can go deep into you know exodus or leviticus or whatever it might be but at least you know the whole story to begin with and everybody can do that that sounds fantastic. So as they're going through their day, let's say, for example, are you going to do a section on, on say, the Pentateuch, or how how is this going to, to play out? You've got them for about oh, good, eight hours. Yeah, good question. What are you going to do? 
Good question. Uh, what we're going to do, Rick, is we're going to we're going to start off as if people don't know anything, and then we're going to lay out the entire story of salvation history in twelve periods. And these twelve periods are color coded periods, or you know the the history of the early world and the Exodus and the or the patriarchs and the Exodus and so forth. We're going to go through those twelve color coded periods, which everybody will have in front of them with the timeline chart, and it will be behind me in a big screen. And then, out of the 73 books of the Catholic Bible, I'm going to show them the 14 books that are narrative. In other words, these are the books that tell the story. And most people, when they want to read the Bible, they start January 1st, they get all excited, and they start with uh, Genesis, then they go to Exodus, and then they go to Leviticus, and they... They are so confused at that point that they stop. Well, we're going to skip Leviticus. <laughs> Although, <laughs> I know I know a good friend of mine who's now a nun who used to be a, a Jewish convert who who cried over Leviticus. But I don't know of too many yeah. other scholars that, that did that. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Well, what's interesting, Rick, is that Leviticus is critically important, but it's not important in terms of learning the narrative. It belongs in the yes. narrative. So what we do is we skip certain books, and we keep on the, the 14 books that keep telling the story, and that's what we're going to follow on the 28th. And as we do that, we will also uh, let people know that, here, by the way, here's where Leviticus begins. <laughs> this is where it starts and where it belongs. So on that seminar, they're going to learn the 12 color-coded periods, the 14 narrative books. And as we go through all of that, they're going to go through all the major events and all the major characters. And uh, as one lady told me after one seminar, she was 88 years old. She came up to me afterwards. She was crying, and she said, I have wanted to know how to do this all my life. And finally, I know. And that, that's really what we're accomplishing. It's a simple thing, and we're not shooting for the stars. We're just showing people, here's how you read the Bible. Now, go at it for the rest of your life. So you've identified, then, the 14 most important narrative texts, the, the books. Yeah. And the, when we say narrative, we're talking about stories. So these are the, the histories yeah. of the stories. But they also lay out, then, not only the events, but the people and their story. Because let's face it, when we are looking at trying to teach, people learn stories better than anything else. So what you've done yeah. is is create a structure based on the stories, and then you can go back and backfill all of the other material like Leviticus or... or no, that's great. That's a great way to put it. You, you, you worded it very well. In fact, I will use that from now on. But, <laughs> backfill, there you go. <laughs> but, but, it's, but it's really true. It's really true is that if, like, for example, as I said earlier, the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Tell, you ask somebody, tell me Wizard of Oz, you know, well, people that grew up in that era can tell you the basic story. But most people today, the millennials, for example, they couldn't tell you about the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. And so you've got to tell the basic story of the Wizard of Oz, then slippers, monkeys, witches, um, courage, all these things start making sense once you understand the basic story. And it sounds like this is going to be a fantastic program to be able to go to. So again, if people are interested in in having this presented to them, this is going to take place September 28th. It's likely to sell out. So again, they should go to Ascension Press. Just look that up, Google it, and Ascension Press or the Great Adventure Bible, and then put down uh, either Christ Cathedral or Orange County. Is that yep. what you were saying? You'll get it right away. Yep. And they can go ahead and, and click on a number of things and pre-register that way. 
Exactly. And uh, they should probably do it quick because I think we're about we're getting sold out pretty pretty quick, and I think we're sold out in Washington. So, well, I, I know that I know you have two days in Washington, and I saw uh, that at least one of the days was sold out, but I don't know if it's been updated today. And then the one here, I think you're like at eighty percent uh, sold. So, yeah, you've, people are going to want to get on this rather quickly, right? Jeff, first of all, I want to, again, say thank you so very, very much, but for really another thing as well. Thank you for your ministry and the courage that you've had to face Christ and his call to do ministry. It's not very often, I think, that people like you have been told thank you for those of us who benefit from you for having that courage to come forward, because it's, as you discovered, it's a big risk to say yes to God and to say yes no matter what that means. And as you pointed out when you were sitting there with your hands and your your head in your hands in in the middle of the Ohio River Valley there at school <laughs> say what have i done what have i done god god knows what you've done and it was the right thing to do so thank you uh, on behalf of god <laughs> no, just kidding uh, but on behalf of all of us who benefited from that thank you jeff for for that oh i appreciate that thank and, you thank you for what you're doing too it's all a, it's a big mosaic and we all fit in and it's the kingdom of god Jeff, if you'd be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer, I think we'd all appreciate that. I would love to. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you for your your mercy and your kindness. We thank you for inviting us to be a part of your family, but to even go further into inviting us to to do your ministry, to enter into your, your, your messianic calling. Lord, what a privilege it is. And Help us, Lord, to to become like you and help us to walk in your power and your mission. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity in Orange County, and I pray that you'll be glorified. I pray that your kingdom would expand and that your name would be lifted up. We thank you for this, and we also also ask for the prayers of, of our dear mother, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Rick. I sure appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff, for being on. You have been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today has been Jeff Cavins. And you can find out more information by going to Ascension uh, website. I'll just Google that, look it up for the September 28th workshop. Uh, and if you would like to know more or hear this podcast after it has been broadcast, you can go to OCCatholic.com and click on the radio tab, and that'll take you to a, a number of different programs. Ours is the flagship, OC Catholic Radio. And for all of our listening audience, thank you, and we will see you again next week.